Welcome to this week's FSF and Tapestry podcast. This week, Ben and I are joined by admins Vic, Helen and Sharon, and moderators Corrie, Anna and Catherine from the hugely popular Early Adopters Facebook group. Vic set up the group to support Early Adopters and it has quickly grown to 8,000 members, all benefiting from the expertise of this enthusiastic bunch of teachers. They talk about how they approached the new framework at the end of the summer term and how they managed welcoming in new children in September, the most challenging start to a school year for children, families and teachers. They also discuss the positives that have arisen through reflecting and looking afresh at their curriculum and pedagogy. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to meet you all. Um, maybe we can start with thinking about what made you, in the initial days, decide to be an early adopter school. Was it your decision? Was it senior leadership? Can a couple of you maybe have a chat about that? I think it was very much we had a, a, a quick chat between us all last night and um, there was a lot of being done to and we chose to. So I think it was a bit of a mixed bag, really. Um, we chose to be an early adopter. I kind of thought, well, better to be forearmed, um, knowing that there's going to be documents that were going to be available to us before they were they were available. Um, and to trial it, to, to have a chance to play with it for a year, my head is really supportive in um, embracing um um, things and new initiatives so it was we saw it as an opportunity really to um, trial it to play with it for the year before it was then forced on us. <laughs> so did it with the advent of Covid did that um, change your mind at all did you just think well in for a penny we might as well keep going now? Exactly I think, I think that was very much the case and we'd, we'd signed up um, right from the, the initial um, email really of, of the opportunity of doing it so um, I'm never one to back down, so we went with it. <laughs> it was scary not knowing any information at first um, and waiting all through that that COVID period, thinking, when are we going to hear something? When will we be told? Um, that that was that was quite hard initially, I think. But um, um, my school was also going to be doing the baseline, and I just thought doing the baseline at the same time as being an early adopter made sense to me because I, I hoped it would feed into each other. And did it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. But I, I didn't lack of Sorry, Sharon. Really. I didn't sign up till um, August to be an early adopter. Um, we'd missed the initial email. Um, so I sort of contacted them because I was really, um, I really wanted to join because I teach reception and year one. And when I looked at the new early learning goals, I really thought that they linked much better with the key stage one curriculum. They linked much better with the objectives that I was teaching year one when they first came in and transitioned from early years, uh, especially like the maths and the literacy. Um, so that was my decision behind it, really. Yeah, I was a similar thing. I, I signed up early, but I remember when it came out, I think it was the Thursday of the, maybe the first or the second week back. And I remember walking into my head's office being really cross because it was so late. And I had already written one baseline uh, based on the old objectives. And then I kind of scrapped that and um, wrote a whole new one for the early learning goals and the new development methods guidance. So it was a bit crazy those first few weeks, I have to admit. It settled down after that, but those first few weeks were challenging. 
Yeah, I found that we set up quite early on. We decided that we we're going to be an adopter early on. Um, we've got um, a nursery as well as reception. So it was going to be great to see how it flows through from nursery up into um, reception as well. And um, and I think um, the same as Corey, it was like the first two weeks was like, oh, where's the information? Where's the information? Um, and then when it arrived, it sort of flowed into the rest of the school as well, because the rest of the school were creating their um, progression of skills they were um, producing their um, knowledge organizers so actually those early learning learning goals and everything else it flowed through and I was able to actually share it quite early on with the rest of the school which doesn't normally happen early years normally gets left out so so it was really good to be able to say hey hold on a minute this is what this looks like you're going to be able to now see how does it fit in with everybody else um, flowing through from um, reception up to year six and for me, it was I was starting a new job. I was going to be the new leader for the earliest foundation stage unit. And I thought, you know, I'll be new. My team is settled in that school, but they'll have to learn to work with me. And we might as well start the new curriculum and all learn together. And, you know, it was a bit of a risky um, risky decision now looking back at it. But actually, it's made us discuss more. So we've had more time to actually talk to each other and, and look at it all and decide whether it's benefiting our children in this particular cohort or not. Um, and I think it's, it's making us a stronger team within this sense for next year because we'll be starting ahead of the game, hopefully. Um, so it's worked really well. I think that's, uh, to me, that's really interesting because I know like, from what you were saying, Helen, about how it flows into sort of the rest of the school. I know when we originally looked at... Um, the, the new sort of um, early years framework um, when it all came out and everything, was it back in January that, the, the, the um, consultation on that, wasn't it? And we looked and that's something we thought that it was actually going to flow a lot more into the rest of the school, which can only be positive. You know, it's, it, it doesn't, it's not to detriment of the, the children and everything like that. It's, um, um, and I think it's really good that, you're able to talk about it within your within your teams and everything like that. Yeah, it sounds like a really supportive environment, which brings us on to your fantastic Facebook group. And um, uh, we were just saying a little while ago how supportive it, it is. Certainly, I'm not in teaching anymore, but certainly to, to, to view how you're all supporting each other and all the new people who join. Um, so, Vic, it was your idea, was it, to set, to set it up? Yeah, um, it came from Blind Panic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the documents came out and it was very much, I was running around like a headless chicken. We haven't heard anything. We haven't heard anything. What's happening? Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Um, the rest of the school carried on oblivious in their pandemic, sorting out life and um, life in the school in the COVID with bubbles and uh, key worker children. And I was just in the back of my head. It was just, is it happening? Is it not happening? I just wanted to know. Um and the silence went on and on and on. And then finally, was it three weeks before the end of term? We were, the documents landed and it was like, right, okay, I need to get some support around, around this now. And I, I need somebody to talk to. Um, so it was set up and it's just spiralled really. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been amazing. It's been a fantastic experience. Um, it's, it kind of grew gradually over the summer um, and obviously people were not doing very much with it. And then 
it exploded in September and everybody was chatting. And I think just the nature of the group is, is I really wanted it to be that supportive place to go and discuss and not feel like you can't open a discussion. But I think it's the feedback from the other members as well. They respond straight away. And I don't think there's many threads that have got no comments on it at all, or there's nobody to offer an answer or even a, yeah, we're finding that as well. Um, so it's that togetherness really. Um, and the collaboration that's come from it, um, people have made links with other schools locally through it. Um, that camaraderie really, uh, we're in this together um, with the, uh, world happening around us um it's that without that face-to-face without the the ability to go and meet in in schools that's not happening that's not a chance of that happening at the moment so this is the second best i feel um but just that the members of um, such an experience, uh, a wide range of experience, the roles having um, Julian Grenier joining was kind of an uplift as well and his input, uh, as well as many other advisors. Um, but it's not just been the practitioners that have joined, it's been other people as well, like yourselves. Everybody's just been in, in the input and the children have been at the heart really and the discussion has always been based around what's what we want for them and 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 how we can work together to make it the best for them but yeah our crew as well our little uh, our little group of just these ladies can't praise them enough they're absolutely fantastic how many extra hours a week do you guys spend on your facebook group over and above your teaching you were Ben have never I am very lucky. Well, I, I work four days a week. The fifth day was meant to be with my son who started at nursery, but he doesn't want me and he's having too much fun there. So, yeah, a lot of it is in my Friday when I'm not, and I'm an insomniac. So, okay. I throughout the night, it's taking up a lot of time, but the, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to do it with, without everybody else's help and support, and they are so active. It was really strange because backing. Um, end of June, July, when Vic set it up, um, I was one of the very first to join with her because she'd put something in another group. And um, after a few days, she was like, I need help. There's so many people, um, requests. And I offered thinking, oh, it'll just be a, a quick saying yes to the odd person now and again. But we'd find that there'd be like 20 to 30 people requesting um, to join at one time. And it just grew so fast. And I must admit, um, it's it's it, there is times when you know you you need to pop in, you need to check um, posts, you need to check what others are saying so that you can share with people or 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 give sort of um, references to blogs. But it was it it was so naturally because we were so curious ourselves, I think, and because I wanted to find out myself about things. I didn't see it as additional work. I didn't see it in that way. I saw it as um, a way of just developing my own um, professional development, really. And we've got so much back from the group, haven't we? Oh, definitely, yeah. I I find the group really supportive really early on, and I never, ever contribute on groups. Um, But this one, it just had a different vibe, and I, I started contributing, and I messaged Vic, actually, and said, Vic, this group is amazing. Thank you so much for setting it up. Um, and it was, I think it was way back August, oh, somewhere August time. 
and then before I knew it I was part of the team and it's just <laughs> been one of the um blessings really of being an early adopter it's been really good to meet all these ladies and be part of it it's, I've loved it yeah, no, it's been great as well how Vic set it up that us as moderators came together as well. So yeah. see, to start with Vic, then myself and Sharon, and then everybody else then came in. But it was always that conversation as well behind the scenes as well, just checking, do we agree with this? Is this how we should move forward? You know, how do we support um, the people that are posting? So it, it has, it's been a really lovely experience to be with other like-minded people, um, but having that really open debate as well about um, how to move forward it's been great thank you <laughs> I think the rules of the group has really helped as well because we've not allowed sort of any selling or promotion it's all just everyone giving their work and ideas freely and not feeling like you're going to be judged by it because you're giving it for free and I think that's been really helpful actually and it's been brilliant to have the feedback as well, because, you know, every now and again, you produce a document and you can ask your, your colleagues at work if you've got any who know what you're talking about. But, you know, posting anything like this on a group would have 100, 200 opinions or and, you know, and they all supportive in a really constructive way. So you can think, well, actually, that really makes sense and change what you're producing. And because majority or at least that's my experience of local authorities haven't been trained yet to provide support for us it nearly kind of feels like reversal of roles because we had so much time to discuss with so many people um i feel quite you know obviously not knowing all of it but i feel confident enough that i've got some knowledge because i've got it from everybody on the team on on the group um so when we then once we start the training with the um early with, with the local authorities it's going to be easier for us to contribute and say well actually you know seven thousand people on that on that group um, have used it and commented on it and it's and it's across nationally so um, it must be working so it gives you that you know feeling of, of confidence really sure so approaching September you had the the materials from from the summer um, did you did any of you make any specific changes for September in the light of being early adopters or did you wait for development matters to come out or do you not use that at all you use something else what, what happened in September? I can't imagine what happened in September. <laughs> I think we all did different things, didn't we? I, I know I sat back. Um, I my, my priority was actually getting the children in, uh, you know, in COVID, it, that was the most important thing and the safety. So it was just a wait for the, for the documents. But I know other people had decided to start making um, new baselines and everything. So it was, it was, it, I think we just all had very different experiences. Yeah, I think I think me and Sharon were a bit poles apart. I, I um, to quote somebody, I did throw the baby out with the bathwater. I um, I did scrap everything, and I went mad in July, and I ripped everything up, and I mapped, and I got the key stage one um, reception, key stage one teacher involved, and I was cross linking and. I was getting rid of my themes, my topics, and I thought, right, okay, we've got new staff in nursery. I'm going to just start fresh. Um, wish I'd never done that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, it's given me a, a, a boost and um, rejuvenation of looking at, at, um, at what, what I'm actually delivering um, and re-looking at the curriculum. So that was... 
that was and is a continuous journey. Um, I know some people have just tweaked and adapted. Um, interestingly, I've looked at the development matters and it, I will definitely be using it. And I, I, I do feel it's really user friendly, but also I will be using my own knowledge of child development. Um, I, I'm, it's not a reliance on that. And I, and I think one of the, the, the pluses is it's there is, is, is almost, um, a backbone to refer to but also using my own knowledge my own experience of of, of what a long-term medium term short term or even hourly term um for that child in that moment is is kind of just pulling every one of those strands together and um, so i'm just gonna keep going on my plodding on on my journey with developing the curriculum but like i said other people have just done tweaks so it's definitely definitely school-based and individual people it was based on the children at first it was it was looking at my new cohort and finding out what they were like really and what their needs were we'd had so much hype about how the children were going to come in they're going to be so far behind that at that point I didn't know whether the dms would fit in and I didn't know where to start with them um so that getting to know the children like others have said was so important and trying to fit it in with all the new um school sort of aspects of covid and being covid safe it was really important for me to just to take my time and to really sort of as such find out what my intent for these children were and what the you know the whole as a whole school what we as a whole school wanted to you know to set up and achieve for these children of ours in our cohorts and in our community and and I did plod a little bit at first but I I sneaked all the other people's contributions and I sort of looked at them and I tweaked them and I I used everything that everybody else did really because um you know, they, they'd put so much time and effort in and it was so valuable just to get all them opinions, even if I didn't use it as a paper copy, just to see what people were saying and doing made me have a better understanding. That first night when the Development Matters came out, I sat for about four hours and mapped it all out from age three to five because it was such a lengthy document with all of the nursery bits on it as well. And I just because I felt like I needed to have a piece of paper. It's almost like we've become so reliant on that bit of paper and that tracker and all of that. I felt like I needed to have it. And so I spent hours doing it. I uploaded it and then I've never actually used it since <laughs> September. And I just... I, but I do think writing it all down and doing that actually gave me the really good knowledge behind it. And I and I know those Development Matters uh, statements and I know the, a lot of the groups say, oh, it's non-statutory, but actually it has been provided by the government and there's a lot of reasons behind it for having it. So I think it is really useful to have and it has helped me to change my way of thinking, but I'm not so reliant on bits of paper anymore. Yeah, I was very similar to Catherine. I... I we're very similar, Catherine and I, and we do a lot of the paperwork side of things. And um, I did, I created this huge, big, long-term plan. Um, I also uploaded that to the group. And I now say in hindsight, I don't use that at all. That's now gone on reflection. And after many webinars and blogs and blogs, um, that's now gone in place of something else. But it helped me get to know the new documentation. And that's, that was valuable to me. So that, and, and I thought that's worth doing anyway, even if I don't use it. 
And we're all very pleased that you've done it, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> we, we steal quite a lot of Corey's documents, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> Definitely. Just thinking along to, to next September, when everyone's going to be working with this, I mean, you could sell that document, Corey, for a fortune without having to do it. But do you think, given what you've just said, it was the process of doing that that was more valuable than the actual end document? Maybe it is going to be similar for, for new people next September to do the same thing or in July or whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think we are very good as a sector at reflecting. And I think this uh, this movement at the moment is all about reflecting on your practice, no matter how many years you've been in the game. I mean, we're probably, you know, 20 years in. Um, but even now, I'm just... I'm, all the time something new comes up I change my mind I, I move it around um, and I think this has given us the freedom to have confidence in that and like Sharon was saying that she you know it was we felt really freed up very early on to not do the amount of evidence collecting for baseline um, and that guilt of constantly collecting evidence for baseline and just having your own teacher knowledge was fantastic I mean I, I I've used tapestry for a long time and I still do use it um very much for parent engagement and that was my godsend as well I have a, we have different members of the team who work on different days and we use it as well to communicate with each other so even though we are still using it in that way um we don't feel that need to collect absolutely everything it's all about the new learning and the highlights and you know all that kind of thing now which I think has been fantastic change I think the communication with the parents that you were saying then is so important and you found it a way of really communicating and especially like when you've had to do children who are self-isolating yeah or I use it yeah exactly we were saying yesterday I use it we basically use it for everything all the documentation is uploaded it's like my main portal of communication with parents and that is how we work through transition as well without a traditional transition you know we uploaded lots of videos of um, us doing all sorts of things very much out of my comfort zone um but yeah it's been it's been amazing yeah well, I've been exactly the same I've been sharing lots of things through tapestry as well it's been a great use for for being able to like you say reflect I love the reflection part on on there as well that you are able to record that and look back as well at how your practice has been and how something's you know how something's gone so actually in a year's time that'd be great to go back and look at that and go oh yeah that's what I did back last September I like that that worked no that didn't work um but also that communication with parents same as Corey we've got our documents on there I'm able to set memos I'm able to set activities we've been able to communicate and put forward the new the new um, early adopter framework as well so I've been able to share it that way and and also communicate with new parents with the transition with them coming in so they know where they're coming to as well I was just going to say I use it quite a lot for I used to use it a lot for assessment um but because I have two year groups in my class um that I might often be not with reception I might be teaching year one so it's a really helpful tool for me because the teaching assistants will record a lot of what they're seeing and then even though I'm not with them I still get to keep on top of what's going on around me and in the classroom if I'm not there um, and we're also using it as a tool for community it's almost like a little mini Facebook 
page really mm-hmm. and the parents also write comments back and you just have to be careful I might be sat there at nine o'clock at night sometimes typing little messages back because they've sent me really cute photos yeah. so it's about yeah. getting that work-life balance isn't it as well but but and, and also you were they were Tapster was really kind because when Covid shut in March I only had half my class on tapestry because it was only the reception children so when I contacted them they actually let me put um my year ones on as well just for an extra little fee and so now I I still have my year ones on there as well and it's actually really lovely and the parents still really like seeing that day-to-day contact even though they're not in early years anymore we kept our year ones on too just because they missed such a big chunk of their reception year and we and we've decided to keep them on that's brilliant I want to try. I was going to say, I'm not a tapestry member. What's going on? What are you doing? I found it really, really useful when when assessing now before the end of term, um, because obviously I'm now trusted to to use my professional judgment to assess children Um, but it's been so helpful to you know to upload each child and just look at what they've done Um, and even though it hasn't been a, a great deal of evidence or you know or photos it's just jotted my memory and then being able to then you know flag it look at the flags and look at the development matters alongside the photos and just you know just decide well, where, where does it fit in um will this child get there by the end of the year and you know it, it's just been great it's been great fun really looking at what they what they could do in September and now suddenly looking at this now and thinking wow actually you know we've done a good job here they're doing really really well so um I'm really glad about you know how, how how tapestry has handled it all that you you know you didn't go it hasn't um in panic quickly put the dms on with the tick list again mm-hmm. as so many people were trying to to you know t- to make it happen because it would have been easy with what everybody had known in the past um but now it kind of really supports the ethos of it all so it's helpful but it's not prescriptive and and i really like that it's really great to hear. Thank you for that. It's yeah. turned into a bit of a tapestry pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I think there would have been a danger in going back to the old the old yeah. way of just um, going back to, oh, well, they're emerging, they're this and ticking it all again. And I think mm-hmm. not having the option there has made us change. 100%. 100% agree, Catherine, yeah. <clears throat> So I wanted to um, focus uh, again on the advantages of being early adopters. You've, you've talked about so many already around reduced assessment and more time with the children. Is there anything else that we haven't or that you haven't mentioned that you think has been has been a really good thing about the new framework and, and being early adopters in particular? I've been thinking about the links with nursery schools, especially private nursery schools, because I'm in this area where I have up to 17, maybe sometimes 20 nursery private nursery schools that feed into my cohort. And um, it's a lot of different judgments. It's a lot of different school, you know, um, places to work with. And I'm hoping that the new DMs will help regulate and support the nurseries and myself so that when the children come into me, um, it is more of a clearer picture for myself and that I can work with them in a more hands-on way in knowing what to provide for these children so instead of the children being school ready it's really me being school ready for the children really important that i think yeah i think it's made me 
almost take a step back. I was so, because I have year one as well, I was so sort of always focusing on the end goal, even sort of in the autumn and spring term, I was always thinking, right, what do we need to get the children to be doing? And almost sort of rushing ahead in a way. And it's almost made me slow down and really go back to basics and fill in those gaps and make sure that we're not missing anything and not get, it, it was the quote from Julian where he said, what's the point in having a reception teacher sitting down at a table getting them all to try and write a sentence when they're not ready um while the others are playing but not not they're just playing they're not really learning because they don't have the adult with them scaffolding and actually it, made, it really made me think about the way that I was managing the classroom um and it's also just with the little progression maps that he was talking about it's made me think about um going back to basics so like when I looked at my year one's pencil control it was really poor I was taking photographs of the way they were holding the pencil and I was quite shocked because I'd be, I was so right we need to use because in a sentence we need to use full stops and I hadn't even looked at their pencil control and so I think it's it's really helped my teaching and although my reception children now have only done up to numbers five they know their number bonds they know one more one less they can do doubles they can do all sorts of things but we've only done up to five and I think and I think the only thing that um sort of outside agencies were concerned about when when I when I met with our governors from our school they were concerned about the lack of exceeding goal and they wanted to know how we were um developing those children that already come in who were quite able and they wanted to check what we were doing with those children really so it's but, it, but we, it's about changing that mindset and about talking about mastery rather than just rushing on to the end goal all the time does that make it easier to back there as well? I think it's stripping back the teaching back to the bare basics for the individual children. Um, it's going back to being able to not, it's freed, I think it's freed by teaching up, it's freed my interactions up with the children. Um, I can talk to you till the cows come home about individual children now, and um, not that I couldn't before, but I just thought, right, okay, so what you just told me, where does that fit in? Where can I look and see where I can fit that into that? Well, actually, that 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 isn't the point, is it? It's that engagement with that child, it's that relationship with them. Um, and knowing them inside out and going sideways, but also going forward with them because that momentum of their teaching and, and, and learning is, is valid. But knowing them as a learner is just um, been refreshing. It's been really refreshing of seeing those little progression steps mm. and not needing to note them down, but planning for that individual and not necessarily seeing seen the long-term end goal like we've said it's just those little progression steps that we're celebrating all the time and um yeah yeah it's just getting to know my class as individuals and enjoying enjoying them yeah I think we've all been much more focused on the characteristics of effective learning um through this I think it's put that highlighted those back to us and to really focus on them as learners and what their learning behaviors are and and how they play and all those kind of things um, and, and developing that so that they can move forward. So I think that's been a huge advantage, just that huge focus back on how they learn. Yeah, and the play. And the play. Play. And I, and I know a lot of the group talked about how a lot of the children's communication and fine motor and sort of personal social and sharing skills, and they they were really sort of 
lower down this year I think due because of Covid um, I had a lot of children who who couldn't do a lot of things that normally they would be able to do and I don't know if it was just the cohort or but it was uh, when I was talking to all my other colleagues they were saying it was a very similar picture in schools so I think just going back to basics as well has really helped with the current pandemic as well. Mm. The other I thing I highlighted how important we are to the children that actually we are the, the most important teaching um, tool, if you like, and that we need to be in the in the provision to help with the communication skills and to help with the play. For example, we've um, we've changed our snack time from everybody sits down and you know I'll read the story and everybody has a snack and it takes five minutes to cafe that is in the continuous provision where children have to say please may I leave the table and I would prefer an apple to a carrot and you know and we've started just giving them more chances to to be able to speak in full sentences to be able to watch us model certain behaviors um rather than as you were saying sitting there with never-ending guided maths groups and and practicing something that is very important but will come when the children are settled and they can communicate well when you know all the prime areas of learning are addressed and and developed um and i think this is what's really um having the biggest impact of this new curriculum i think it's really nice also um to work more as a whole school rather than just always feel sometimes that as early years we're a separate um, key stage and that we are separate from a lot of the training etc I've been really lucky at my school that's not ever been the case and and the training we get has fed into to the new dms just perfectly you know all the sort of vocabulary training the literacy training from my authority um, all the training that goes on with the talk for writing it, it's just fed in really smoothly and um, I feel in a really good place to support them children and, and I've also enjoyed how other schemes, like, for example, um, the mastery approach and the white rose, et cetera, how they've adapted and how they also have been there to support schools through this. And I'm just really enjoying all the new opportunities of developing new things, really. Yeah, there's actually so many resources out there that actually fit in so well. I mean, I use White Rose religiously and it, it feeds in so, so well with the new curriculum and into the year one curriculum. And it's just great that they've got given us all those resources, really. No, it's good. Um, and again, we're using the White Rose Maths. We're now using that. We use the number block scheme going down yeah. into nursery um, for vocabulary as well. Um, we were already doing Nelly R, um, no, sorry, Nelly N in nursery, which is fantastic. And the progress we've seen, we have seen the children do it make um, in nursery. We're now trying to go and do the Nelly R um for, for the next year as well um, and see how that goes. It seems very time consuming, but hopefully it will have the same effect that the Nelly N had with the nursery children with their vocabulary, which obviously feeds very nicely into um, the new curriculum as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm just really, really hopeful that these new programmes that are coming into the school, we are able to help with the progress. It sounds very much like you've taken the children as they arrived on the doorstep and saw what their needs were and you had the freedom to adapt whatever you were doing for those needs. Have you always had the, your eye on the ball of the ELGs or are they not even something you've considered at the moment and that's going to come towards Easter of next year, if at all? I've not considered them, but I, 
I, do, I must admit that I'm now looking forward to the spring term and I'm starting to panic slightly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, do, I do think that some of the early learning goals are quite tricky, um, particularly sort of the understanding of the world. That it ha- it's almost more subject-based, like with my history and my geog- geography. It does link in quite well with my class because I teach those alongside my year ones, and so I do have very theme-based um, subjects in my class anyway. But I think it might be harder for full um, reception classes who perhaps don't teach those things and I think some of some parts of the early learning goal can't be just child uh, child-led learning which is why I suppose why I panicked and, and did revisit the uh, long-term plan um looking at those early learning goals and then seeing there were gaps there were gaps particularly within those subjects uh, those those areas of learning that you, that you said Catherine and I think that's where I've had to put in the plugs to then support and, and build up a, their progression of skills to then allow for the children to get to those then those end goals but certainly not this term I've not even obviously aware of the aware of them but um I don't know whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong. Um, we've just got to get these children through this year. We've my, just my support. So the early learning goals, if they don't get it, but they've made progress, they're happy, they're ready to be learners, they're resilient, they've got that reciprocity with other children, they've got that themselves of a sense of, uh, of, of I can attitude, then I feel like I've achieved. Um, of course, the early learning goals are important. Um, but the children are more important at the moment. And this is, is adopt a year. And so we can reflect at the end of the year. We can actually audit ourselves and say, right, what went well? What didn't go well? Where do I need more support? And, and the use of our school subject leaders and going to them and saying to them, right, I didn't do this very well with my geography aspects. What would you suggest? And, and if they don't know the answers, they will go to their they're authority geography leaders and and it's it's a, just a bigger picture of us all leaning more on each other as teachers and not feeling so isolated it's i'm really excited for this next term yeah I'll go back to um, what Vic said about what we want the children to do by the end of the year i think that's going to really help with that transition to year one or to the next you know to the next stage in their school life being able to talk about the children and not having it data driven, not that they're going to be a one or two or three, the fact that you're going to talk about that child, what can they actually possibly do? What can they achieve? And where are the gaps? I think this is going to highlight their gaps more rather than, you know, where they're going to, because I think this is where then the year one teacher or the reception teacher when the nursery moves up suddenly go, oh, you said they could do this, but actually that's not quite what they said. You you know, you're following your career on what that was before they could achieve that then but actually it looks different in the next year up so again it's going to be those good conversations between each transition point it's also celebrating the progress isn't it we've always done it but now it feels like the progress is perhaps more important than the final goal and you know I, I have a look at the earlier learning goals every now and again mainly when I was designing the curriculum to make sure that there's there are opportunities for the children to learn what's in the early learning goal at the end but what I'm looking at more is 
what what could they do in September and what can they do now? And then just celebrating what the opportunities and options will be, because if they've done really well, and I know that I've got a set of small steps and I can see that with my teaching, they have progressed and they achieved those steps. There is no reason really if I give them opportunity and if if it's taught, you know, as well as we can and, and children have got chance to explore and, and um, um, you know, have different experiences that we provide that they might not get at home. There is really no reason why they shouldn't achieve well at the end of the year. And as you were saying, if they don't, then it's more like an information that goes next, next door to year one rather than a number. Um, and I think that's important. My hope is because we've focused on the basics and almost given them those stepping stones initially, then when we go on to the harder part, they'll find it more easy rather than focusing on it earlier on. So that's what I'm hoping it will be like in end of spring, beginning of summer. So, th yeah, that's how I always, I, I, looking back to how I used to teach and everything, I think, yeah, you do create gaps if you try to rush on with things. And so I think, yeah, from what you're all saying about focusing back onto the child and making sure that the foundations are secure, then the, the early learning goals will be a lot easier to achieve, I'm sure. Because um, that's something I just wanted to ask. Um, I'm just thinking, again, as a, as a teacher, I would have been like, oh, no, I'm going to have to do all my planning again. Um, did, you, did you, I know you said um, Vic, earlier about how you threw everything out and start again. <laughs> did you start your planning completely again or did you just build on things you've previously done? It was, it was a lot of squirrelling. Um, it was looking at what I liked, what I didn't like, what would work for the children, looking at uh, our community, where the, our community, where our school sat in the community and what the children had experience of already, where they didn't. Um, it's still progressing. But um, I think I, I, I said um, on, the, on one of the Facebook um, posts I put on, um, it's a lot of time I just don't follow my planning. Mm -hmm. um and i'll actually scrap it or it one week will take two because they've suddenly had an interest in that well there's learning to be had in that because they've got that interest in that mm -hmm. so um yeah i've never really been a stickler for following planning <laughs> more of an interest in the children and, and them and them leading but obviously there is a place for teaching yeah. um and that's you know pushing them on and 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 looking for you know them as learners and then how to be the best they can be but also looking for their learning opportunities that they're offering to us as well so uh, yeah by the end of the year there'll be some kind of place planning place and um, <laughs> uh, I, i'm just that's why i'm so grateful for this year really um to to play with it um and let the children lead as, as much as they can yeah. I'm hoping the authorities will work with new early years teachers. Um, we, we, we've said amongst ourselves about the fact that we're quite experienced teachers and we see in the group the posts from teachers who are very new or who have been moved from different year groups. And, and yes, when you're asked to find, say, whether a child's at the expected level or not at the expected level, we've got experience of that we've got experience of previous years of where children were at, at at december and whether they were segmenting and blending cvcs or not and and i do i do slightly worry for 
um, teachers who are new to the post. And I think what we found is that the group has really supported them teachers in the fact that they can ask questions, they can sort of talk to each other, to us, to whoever. And I think that's really important that authorities take that on board and create these cluster groups or small groups so or everybody is supported in the best way possible come September um, because it it is scary. But there are other documents out there that go in more detail. And, you know, so we can use whatever's around us to support us. I think it's a bit of a mixed bag for me. So some of the subjects I plan quite meticulously, Talk for Writing always has got its, you know, separate plan to make sure that every opportunity for vocabulary extension is, is used. Um, I follow White Rose, so that's that's very well planned. And we follow a phonics program that's very meticulous as well. So these, these basics, you know, I, I know where the children are because the program that tells me that. Yeah, exactly. um, I think that's what we were saying about the progression models, wasn't it, Anna? I think that that, that term progression models has been escalated, it's been snowballed, it's been misconstrued, it's been misunderstood. But definitely, we, we do follow them. Those, like you said, completely. Sorry, Anna, I've just completely over. Oh, no, no, no. But the phonics program is progressive, it is there, we do it. The white rose or whatever math scheme, it, the, the steps that you need to achieve in maths are there. So the, the fundamentals, the basics are, are in place, are there. Sorry, Anna. But, no, 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 I didn't mean it in that way. It, it, it was very similar to you. So, so for the rest of the curriculum, um, as long as I know that, you know, from this particular um, area, I would like to get some kind of historical background to it. So I want the children to be able to say what they did before and what they do after. Um, and, and as long as this is somewhere at the back of my mind, what happens within the topic, as you were saying, or within the theme, depends on the children, because it could be that they take it towards talking about themselves, but it could be talking about dinosaurs or talking about old cars or whatever whatever it comes up with. And in the meantime, if they start making paper aeroplanes and that lasts for three weeks, then that's what we are going to do. Um, so, um, so you know, it, it, is, it is a little bit of what it's always been, I believe, you know, trusting your own gut and, and making sure that the children are their interests are being followed um but it feels that we are more free to to follow what the children want to do rather than impose our you know dms saying we've got to we've got to cover this objective that's disappeared now hasn't it in my in my opinion yeah. in my experience in my experience i've been a lot more freed up with the um assessment side but i haven't been as freed up with the planning side because i have a mixed year group so I, I'm not as free as Anna and Corey who have just reception who can where they can sort of go more with the child's wants and needs I, I almost have to sort of tie them in a little bit to my planning and my themes and my lessons because I'm still teaching the key stage one curriculum alongside um, but I try to do it as much as I can but sometimes it's a bit of a mismatch really um, and it's also trying to make sure that I'm spending as much time with the reception as I am with the year one children which last year I found particularly difficult because the year one curriculum is so challenging and it's such a jump up I found that they needed me more in a way but um 
but I've, I noticed one little one little reception had said, oh, why have you come outside to play with me today, Mrs. Askew? And, and I felt really awful because I thought, oh, I've not actually been with them for the last couple of days. And it's been the other members of staff and who were fantastic. But I, I just I'm very wary now about making sure I split my time equally um, and I try to to go along with their their needs but often it's uh well we're learning about the titanic in history so we're going to try and do that theme with reception as well and it's trying it's a jigsaw really isn't it making trying to get everything to fit it's so clear from your discussion that not only uh, do you need people to support your work and develop you uh, support your continual development but you've also mentioned a variety of other documents and publications and schemes and all these things that you have to using your armory if you like I wonder if any of you have, have um, had a chance to read any of the burst of five matters that's come out recently and what your thoughts are on that and is, will that be another document that you'll use in your armory for want of a better expression We've talked about this a lot, but I think because it's only been out a few days, it's really tricky for us to get our heads around it currently. Uh, we've had a quick skim through, but it's a very long and wordy document. Um, some of the parts look very similar to the old development matters. Some of it looks really useful, particularly to people who are starting out in their earlier career because it has a lot of um, theory and knowledge for those people who might not necessarily know some of those things um, but we haven't had a chance to work with it yet I think because it's because we were so focused on starting in September we were given the DfE development matters and those early learning goals and they're the ones we've tried to focus on as much as we can because that's what we're a part of as early as adopters um, but I think the the development matters are the uh, birth to five matters it does look really useful um but i think me personally i probably wouldn't use it it's but it's it's nice to have there if i was ever maybe perhaps doing some assessment and i needed extra support with something um but i think it looks it's it looks quite a long document and i think as it's come out before christmas and we're all so tired <laughs> i don't think we've had time to properly read through it yeah, yeah i've tried i have to, i have had a look um, a couple of times but i think like sharon was saying for the the teachers who don't perhaps have the experience or are new to the earliest age group, that is a fantastic starting point. It's a lot more detailed than um, the guidance, developmentals guidance, and clearly there's a lot of work gone in it behind the scenes of lots and lots of different professionals involved. And I think we're just so lucky that we're such a passionate kind of workforce where we can all come together and appreciate all these different toolkits in a way to use for ourselves. So we'll definitely be magpieing some things. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much i cannot believe you've given up part of your very first day of your christmas holidays but we've we've covered all the things that we really wanted to i'm sure whoever is listening to this podcast will gain so much helpful information and pick up your positive vibes if if someone is is thinking about how am i going to implement the new eyfs you guys are really paving the way and i thank you all so very much for joining us yeah. Um, thank you. Anna, thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, I hope you have a really great Christmas, and uh, thank you. hopefully, we get to speak to you next year again to see how things are going when uh, hopefully things are a bit better. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you.